welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and, I, and welcome to The New Jesus. I've got a wonderful, wonderful treat for you. Today, I have a special guest, and I'm going to bring him on in just a second, but uh, he's Jordan Rubin. Jordan and I have known each other for a number of years now. He's one of my favorite people in the world, and, and his story, to me, is, is just so compelling and fascinating, but the thing I like best about Jordan is his love for the Lord. And that's why I asked him to come here today to share some of his story, some of his insights, some of his struggles maybe, uh, like you and me, to live this life uh, with ever, all the crazy stuff happening in the world uh, in a way that is pleasing to God, but also a victorious way that I believe God uh, had planned for us all along, but that I don't see a whole lot of Christians experiencing uh, in my in the people that I see. So um, uh, Jordan is the founder of Garden of Life, uh, sold it, but uh, he ran that. In fact, when I first met him in Florida, they were in uh, some of the early days of that. Their living room and dining room were kind of the storeroom. Uh, the Maker's Diet is a huge runaway New York Times bestseller that Jordan wrote. This is kind of, in my opinion, what put him on the map, uh, and it is a very Bible-based kind of diet, so you need to get this uh, for a fantastic diet. And this one, um, I'm going to share with you when he comes out here, but now he's uh, partnered with Josh Axe, a friend of mine, uh, and they founded Ancient Nutrition, which is everywhere and huge, and, uh, and you probably heard of it. If you haven't, check it out. So, Jordan, come on, uh, come on in. It's so good to see you. Thank you good for be being here, here man. It. Thank you for being here. Here, let's, uh, here you go. Thank you. And I'll go here. All right, uh, how about we start with the present? Uh, you're doing ancient nutrition, which is 
trying to take what God has built into this planet of ours to be healthy and uh, vibrant and do the Lord's work and all that sort of stuff, correct? Yeah, we have a simple mission statement to save the world with superfoods. Okay. <laughs> we okay. want to help people yeah. and the planet. So I, I have a personal mission statement to heal the planet, feed the world, and eradicate disease. So I, I think small, as you as you know. Yeah. But if we understand that God's plan is for us to redeem mankind and the planet, because Jesus gave us the keys to do it, I think that is how we can live an abundant life. And I don't want to be here taking up space. I've been blessed, healed, delivered too many times, but I want to be part of that restoration and redemption and see lives transformed. And I want to see the planet that we're stewarding over be more like the Garden of Eden that God created. Yeah, right. And, and uh, you have a lovely wife, Nikki, and you have one biological child, Josh, but then you have some other children. Can you share about your other children? Yeah, so we have uh, five adopted children from ages 9 to 24. And uh, we have a shared memory there because our first adopted child was born at Vanderbilt and was uh, born to a woman, young lady who was at Mercy Multiplied, which is a ministry here in Nashville. Yeah. And when we came to visit Samuel who was our first adopted child. He just turned 15, yeah. if you can believe that. So we stayed with you wow. all a yeah. few houses ago. That's right. And um, yeah, that was when I learned about Granny White Pike and being uh, all over this place. And uh, anyway, it was, it was a great time. And so we met Samuel when he was two days old, brought him home when he was about six months old. And then our daughter Alexis, in the meantime, came to us through an adoption that kind of had failed with another couple. And we had an entire week to make a decision if we wanted wow. a little girl. So Alexis is 14, and so she and Samuel came into our lives, were raised kind of like twins, uh, less than three months apart. And then Isabella, Emma, and Andrew came a few years later. So we've got uh, a full house. Wow, and I remember, I remember um, uh, with your first adopted child, the mother was best friends with some of our dearest friends in the world, yes, the Charleses yes, that yes. we have known for 25 years, yes. and are and so there was a connection there right. that was really crazy yeah. uh, because that had nothing to do with you adopting her. Well, nor did it have anything to do with us being in Nashville. Now. Yeah, so right, have, right. Out of our adopted children, four come from Tennessee, and we never had an inkling to move here. So God always has a plan. Well, yeah, so he used to live in you know, the swamps of Florida. Yes. So now he's in God's country. In Tennessee. Go. He actually lives here uh, today, yes. which was wonderful for me because we were always long distance yes. before that. It's a, it's a great place and a lot of amazing uh, world-changing people here. Yeah. And now ancient nutrition, I know it's just huge. Um, give me some idea uh, of the scope. Well, we started Ancient Nutrition in May of 2016, really with an idea to bring, I'll say, omnivorous superfoods to the world, bone broth, collagen, etc. And I was uh, talking to friend and protege, Dr. Josh Axe, who had started his website, DrAxe.com, yeah. and they were becoming very successful on the direct-to-consumer side, on social media that was starting to emerge. Right, and right. We had real experience in 
farming and ingredients and manufacturing and retail. So right. ancient nutrition is the result of a merger of ancient nutrition, which I started, and DrAxe.com. And uh, that's uh, been almost six year, or six plus years now. And uh, it's been great. We've had an opportunity to do it again. So for yeah. me, Garden of Life was really part of my identity. And so uh, selling that and moving on in order to start practicing what I call or what is called mm -hmm. regenerative agriculture and really yeah. uh, I, I had a mission to really help people with cancer. So I moved on from that chapter and I was blessed to be able to start something else. Sometimes you realize you're good at certain things and yeah. you can't really retire. So ancient nutrition has been a real blessing and um, not the least of which blessing is that I'm home a lot more now. So right. th these last few years have been a lot of things to a lot of people, but I never realized how much I liked being home and how little interest I have in traveling four days a week. So, you know, it used to be I didn't want to miss games and recitals. Now I don't want to miss practices and rehearsals. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, probably one of your most passionate things now is is watching uh, your kids in sports yes, and, and it's true. coaching them yeah. and making sure they have the best nutrition for that. Yes. And and by the way, if you're into sports or some or your children or someone that you know, you need to get on ancient nutrition for them, right? Yes, we we have some great products. They're really more foundational nutrition, but they help with your joints, ligaments, tendons, your bones, your skin, your hair, and of course your muscles. So yeah, yeah. I but. I will say this, my children have diverse genetic backgrounds and diverse interests, so I'm just as excited about Samuel's music yeah. and Isabella's yeah. in drama, right. and then Joshua and Alexis both play sports, so it's all good, because when I was growing up, I loved music and sports, and uh, I'm a little bit in the vicarious living scenario, and I don't always know where the line is, you know, yeah. it's like where people say don't live vicariously through your kids, well, I heard it said once that my ceiling should be their floor. So if that's mm. the case, I feel like whatever their passion is, we should steward over it. And if it's a talent, treat it yeah. like a treasure and help them get the most out of what God's given them possible at this age. Now, is sports the ultimate importance? No, of course not. Right. But you learn a lot yeah. in life because yeah. life, there's wins and losses. Yeah. There's disappointments. There's celebrations. And I feel like when you audition for a part and don't get it, or when you are in a crucial game and you make a mistake, or you succeed, these are lessons that can't be replicated right. in other scenarios. So I can go that's on and right. on about that, no, but we're, we're in a good place yeah. and excited to be an active part of my kids' lives. And um, you, you had a chance to meet my dad, and, and some of us don't have great relationship memories yeah. with our parents, which is super sad. Yeah, yeah. It, that it is. Okay, so how about we go from the present a little bit to the past? Um, you're Jewish, right? I mean, not, they would never guess that with the name Reuben, right? And being originally your family from New York, or yeah, I that's think. where they immigrated most of them. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so let let's go back a little bit, and um, I've already done. Uh, I've already shown this picture on the on the camera up close, so they could get a good uh, view of it. But when I met Jordan, he was he was probably here. And but in, in reading the Maker's Diet and talking to him and his dad and his mom and some other people, uh, I found out about this Jordan. Okay, so can you kind of share? Uh, 
But first of all, let's don't go there yet. First of all, just growing up in your family, is there anything you struggled with just growing up? You know, I did. You mentioned me being Jewish. Well, I am a Jewish believer, Messianic right. Jew, Jewish Christian, right. a lot of different names. And my family, nuclear family, mom, dad, and sister, were the only ones in our entire sort of lineage that accepted Jesus, Yeshua as Lord and Savior. And grow, I grew up in a not a middle-class neighborhood, maybe upper middle class, but a lot of Jewish people. Yeah. And so when I was younger, I was a little bit confused, right. as you can imagine. But also there were times where you know, I wanted to be more Jewish, perhaps. And uh, there was also a time where as I embraced my faith in Jesus, where I, I suffered some pretty severe persecution, at least for a kid I in bet. the suburbs. Yeah. It doesn't happen often, but there was just a circumstance that caused me to really be broken. I mean, I was a teenager and I felt like I had no friends. I was what you'd call today being bullied yeah. to the point where I would go to school and people would put swastikas on my desk. And wow. I know kids, they don't understand what that means. I've got relatives, some of which have passed on that were angry their whole life because I have family that died in the Holocaust. Yeah. I, I lost what would have been great aunts and uncles and cousins. Mm. And so my grandmother was the youngest of that side of the family. And she made it here. The older ones didn't. It fractured their family. And so for me, believing in Jesus, being called fake Jew, or have, that was really tough. And I remember going to sleep with a little card under my pillow that says, Blessed are you who are persecuted. Yeah. And uh, from Matthew. And it talks about what you'll receive in heaven. And that's heavy for, it's heavy for a young guy. And Alex, the reason I know... Uh, I, I remember that because when you and I worked together during my, I can skip ahead, but my miraculous healing from cancer, I went through an inventory of all my memories from the wow. earliest to the latest and prayed to have them healed. And that was one. I mean, that was a series of them. Yeah. I remember walking to the bus stop and in spray paint, not, uh, not shaving cream, spray paint. It said, F you Jordan with a swastika. And when wow. you're... 11, 12 years old. I mean, I literally walked home crying. You know, it was an awful time period. And um, I don't know why that was part of my story, but um, certainly I understand a very, very small bit of what it's like to be persecuted. In today's day and age, everyone's talking about persecuted peoples, yeah. etc. But let's face it, being 100% Jewish or 99 point something, um, my family, an extended family, and my people group know persecution as as bad as anyone. That's right. So it is something that it's interesting in the in the day we live where everyone's talking about minorities and inclusion and exclusion. But I lived with family members that wore the baggage of persecution their entire life. Now you said a second ago that maybe sometimes you wanted to be a little more Jewish. Can you go further with that? I mean, when you were in that time period, were you were you thinking, I don't want to do this Christian stuff because everybody I'm around is Jewish? Or was it, I'd rather, I like the Christians. What, what was that for you? I think I just wanted to fit in. You know, the Jewish yeah. kids went to temple and Hebrew school. And when you're hanging out with people that are doing certain things, and, and I was sort of in between. We celebrated and still do the Feast of the Lord. Yeah. And... There's a greater appreciation now in the church for 
Hebraic teaching and prophecy. It's changed a lot in the last right. 35 years, 36 right. years. But I, it was really more just to fit in. When I met the Lord, I was all in. And if anything, because of the persecution I faced, I think there was a period of time where I didn't want to have anything to do with the Jewish side because all that brought me was pain. Yeah. But then when I was a late teenager, I really saw the full revelation of the Lord. I got excited when I went to college about being messianic and understanding that God chose me for a purpose. And my Judaism, my heritage, much like everybody's, is a part of that. Yeah. And uh, many people have said things over the years to me about what the Lord would do in my life because I'm Jewish or with the Jewish people. I haven't seen everything there, but uh, there's been some unique moments over time, including a trip to Israel right before the world changed in 2020, where I, I got to visit with and meet dozens of relatives oh, in wow. Jerusalem and ultimately help one of them through their cancer battle. Wow. Uh, and um, even though this relative, my mom's first cousin, doesn't believe the way that I do in terms of Jesus being the Messiah, she said, when you talk to me, I feel so much better. I feel so much peace. Um, and, and so it was an interesting relationship that wow. came for that. So I don't know how that story is going to end in yeah. terms of my background, but God doesn't make mistakes. That's so. right. And, 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 you know, we don't need to go into this because, you know, the, these parts of people's lives are private. And a lot of times it's way better if they stay private. But uh, you were mentioning that, you know, all the, all the awareness now of people who are struggling with things that maybe they shouldn't have to be struggling with all of them in those growing up years. And you had that, you had some family pressures too, if I remember correctly, that were hard on you growing up. And, and so if that, if I'm remembering that right, then you had, you know, the school and friends and then some family pressures too that all were, were struggles. Yeah, I mean, the, the family dynamic was really, you know, we had a dysfunctional family, a lot of people do, and I think, uh, and, I, and I reflect on this still today, but I have a very uh, unsatisfactory relationship with my father, and it's primarily due to his woundedness, and yeah. so whether my dad sees this or not, you know, yeah. the truth's the truth, but, yeah. you know, I often think he's 70, and tends to struggle with his health, had, had a real bad case of COVID and was is currently struggling. And, you know, I, I really have looked at the relationship that he and I have. He was wounded. He had some abuse as, as a child. But I really have used that, I don't want to say as motivation, but as an opportunity to make sure that my kids never feel this way. Yeah. And I think the, the saddest thing, and my dad, if he saw this, would be very sad, but when you are so closely related biologically to someone like a father and you believe there's a hundred if not a thousand people that know you better than he does yeah. it's it's a hard thing and i've gone through a lot to forgive and again when i went through this four-day multi-page healing process with with your encouragement you know there was a lot that i had to deal with and so i i always wonder what that line is of forgiveness unforgiveness truth what happened how you how you process it but you can't you can forgive somebody but you can't make a relationship materialize right, right? you can love somebody and care about them but the, as much as you forgive someone that hurt you or wasn't there for you can't 
You can't force a relationship. And that's where even that is a today's struggle for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the prayer he's talking about, I'll, I'll address, we'll address that a little bit more in a minute. And, and by the way, we're going to give that to you as a gift. And, and I believe it's a wonderful gift. And, and we'll say more about that later. I wanted to address this just for a second. The, um, the term new Jesus for me, you know, it sounds kind of crazy. But where that came from for me is I grew up in a very strict, legalistic Christian home. Was it Church of Church of church Christ? Church of Christ, okay. yeah. School, home, church were really all the same. I was in a triangular cocoon, and, and that's all I got. Only, and, and that was good in one sense, but in the other sense, it was extremely legalistic and, and all that sort of thing. And then... Uh, when Hope kicked me out of the house about a year and a half after getting married, said, I can't stand to live with you anymore, and she was right. Um, I met a man who kind of became my mentor, and he discipled me over about three years. And one day, Jordan, while we were, you know, reading scripture, I just stopped and looked up and I said, it's like you've introduced me to a whole new Jesus. And it was a wonderful Jesus, a warm Jesus, a Jesus who wanted me, not was looking to hammer me, okay? And, and it really changed my life, okay? Um, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. Now, here, let's stay in the past a little bit. When I, when I first heard of Jordan Rubin, this is what struck me. And, and, it's, and Jordan, I read your book, and when I saw this picture, and I believe that was in here too, was it not? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, you look like you were in the Holocaust mm -hmm. in that picture. Yeah. Okay, so can you share what, what happened? Yeah, well, I will try to do this with as, uh, as much brevity as I can. No, it's okay. I was um, a teenager coming out of sort of that persecution, getting involved in church, and it was a great church. It was a very different experience than you described. Right. Now, it was a Baptist church, and today I will look at sort of Southern Baptist and say there's there's maybe more fullness outside of that yeah. that, that I'm living in today, but from a experiencing God, solid word, positive peer, peer pressure experience, my church that I attended from age 14 to... 18 was amazing and the foundation that was laid the life choices that I made I'm, I'm really proud of today and yeah. I look at sort of teenagers including my own and what temptations they have and God really protected me by surrounding me with a great group of people I was on fire for God I went to a large university and instead of going the wrong way I met in the morning for Bible study every day was part of a large college ministry wore Christian t-shirts so that in the student copy center, some people, my kids, all, I'm sure you get this. They're like, Dad, what's a copy? They don't understand good music anymore. You yeah. Know it's like movies, comedy. But um, So I would wear Christian t-shirts so that someone would ask about it. And I, I lived for God. And I, I didn't expect that what my whole world would come crashing down because I think in my naivete, I just thought if you're going to follow God, truly follow him and put him first, you're just going to go like this. I didn't realize glory to glory kind of was glory 
deeper valley, glory, deeper valley. And I found myself as a counselor at a youth camp with my church, starting to experience digestive symptoms. I wanted to go back to school my sophomore year and wouldn't have in, in any other way, but I really deteriorated upon going back, lost weight, had severe pain, gut issues, eventually, fast forwarding, diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I was on a two year hamster wheel, traveling around the world, getting sicker and sicker, even though my dad's a chiropractor and a naturopathic doctor and we didn't believe conventional medicine was the, the answer for chronic disease, I was forced to go on medications, yeah. forced to consider surgical options. And I was in a two year living hell. I mean, I'm talking, I wasn't better for a day. You hear about remission, no remission. What, what did you work. weigh? What that did you picture weigh there? is, uh, I believe, 111 pounds. My wow. low was 104. And so what are you, what are you now? I just weighed myself. I was trying to convince my son that I'm stronger pound for pound than him. 188, 187. I mean, that's how I... So 104, 104. to 180. Yeah. So. When I went from 185 to 104. So I weighed this same when I was 16. Well, yeah, uh, right yeah. there. That's actually lighter a little bit. But when yeah. I was 16, I was 185-ish, and then I went down to 104. And it's more than that. It's the fact that I could barely stand up my nail beds were blue from my knee down looked purple i had zero ferritin or iron in my body i, I was wasting away and i yeah. was bedridden most of the time other than trying to visit doctors around the world that would promise hope and then didn't get what was promised and i it was devastating and again because we're together most people don't understand this as much but i relived or rather discarded a lot of those memories or the pain associated with them when I was battling cancer, which is later. Yeah. I don't want to confuse anybody. Yes, I've gone through a lot. God's wonderful and uh, delivered me each and every time yeah. by his grace. We've talked about that off yeah. camera. So my illness lasted about two years and it wasn't until my dad met a man by chance who was in San Diego and I was living in South Florida who said, if you will follow a biblically based diet, you can be well. He even told me that if you come live with me, I will teach you and in three months you'll be working out on the beach. Mm. And so that after picture is yeah. three months on the beach on my 21st birthday and uh, that's Crystal Pier in San Diego behind wow. me. And that is Ephesians 3.20, we also talked about that. That's my, my favorite verse during my illness was Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yeah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or assurance of things not seen because I had to I had to go to a place of faith. Yeah. It's not just enough to say I believe, because yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of hope. I didn't smile, I didn't laugh, I was miserable, because I, I felt like I was, here's how to describe my disease, food poisoning for two months, mm. a 24 hour virus for, for, excuse me, two years, a 24 hour virus for 24 months. Like that's, that was my life, and, every, and combined with massive pain. Now when you see somebody who has food poisoning, they've got all that. I also had ancillary symptoms whether it was prostate or liver or my eyes or, I mean, everything was going wrong. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 was what I would cling to. And in fact, uh, it's cool to be in this area now, but back then I would go to sleep. We had stereos or whatever you would call it with my tape recorder. And I had a tape recorder. It might've been a CD and I put it on loop and I couldn't sleep because I was in the bathroom every 45 minutes, 24 seven. So that was when you don't sleep, you can't digest, yeah. you're not absorbing nutrients. It's a, vicious cycle. 
but I would listen to the Stephen Curtis Chapman song "Hiding Place" oh, from the first hand album on loop. You're dating yourself now. You know, but you know what? It's still, <laughs> and I've been blessed to share that with Stephen a few times now yeah. that we're semi neighbors. But um, that was that was my life. I, I lived in one long hellacious day. I, I was trapped in a prison that was my own body. Forget looking like that, but yeah. just being in that existence. And someone will probably say, "Did you want to?" kill yourself the answer is no but i did want to die yeah a lot i was gonna often and i remember alex one time i don't usually share this in an interview which i'm sure this is what you're looking for but um i was on an airplane it was a big airplane might have been an international trip to see a doctor in mexico or germany or whatever and i literally said if this plane goes down uh, i'll be okay with that but then i thought there's all these other people on this plane so i wasn't going to do anything I, I just wanted to be with the Lord. I didn't want to live anymore. And um, the culmination of that was in a hospitalization. I went in at 104 pounds. I knew that they thought I was going to die. In fact, the nurse who, after multiple attempts, doctors, phlebotomists, nurses, to get blood returned to give me an IV, I heard someone outside say, this young man's not going to make it through the night. Wow. And it wasn't that they meant harm to me. Oh, it was just, yeah. And the nurse was very upset. Like She couldn't help. Yeah. And I had a near-death experience to where I didn't think I was going to wake up when I closed my eyes. Yeah. And I described myself as holding onto a cliff with my pinky. Mm. And you know, if you're hanging, you eventually give up, right? And yeah. uh, so that that's kind of where I was. However, they did get the IV in. I woke up. I wasn't healed. I had some more fluids, but I guess you could say I was in the game. And about a year later was when my dad, t- and many doctors later, was when my dad talked to this man named Bud Keith, who's no longer with us, who helped lead me to a path of biblical eating and living, helped me not say negative things, which was huge. I mean, he's, I yeah. come from a family that where it's okay to complain, or and they say in Yiddish, kafetch, or, and, and they would say, well, why are you always frowning? Well, I feel terrible, but we call it in Yiddish, ungabluzen, mm. which means you have a frown, like no more ungabluzen. And he even told his family if he, if, Jordan says anything negative, you need to look up well. I like that. So I I started speaking positively. And here's something I think your audience will appreciate. And you probably heard me say this. I had a revelation that I was, I felt sick about every few minutes. Like I'd have a cramp or something. But then I realized, is healing and illness a permanent state or a temporary state? And was it not true that in my three minutes... I didn't have pain. Yeah. Now every four right. minutes, pardon my expression, sucks. I mean, I say sucks because it doesn't stink. It's beyond right. that. I don't right. like my kids to say sucks yeah. around my house. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm really conservative that way. But I started praising God for the three minutes. Oh my goodness. And I said, Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. I don't know many people who would have even thought of that. And it the three became five, became ten, yeah. and it was a real part of my life. And so I want to take a moment to say the prayer that I sent you to send to the people, it's not the cancer healing prayer, which you're also welcome to send. This is a daily declaration Mm -hmm. that I pray every day, the promises of God from really the earliest part of the Bible onward, depending on what you believe chronologically. It starts with Enoch and ends with Casting my net on the right side of the boat and catching 153 fish like Peter. And it's getting longer because even this weekend at church, I heard about some scripture that Hannah prayed when she was uh, giving thanks to the Lord, when she was barren and then had a child. 
So I add those to the yeah. prayer. So I pray it every day. It's probably five minutes. It's agriculturally based because that's how wealth was yeah. derived in the Bible. I also am a farmer, so it works perfectly for me. And you may read it and say, well, he talks about his wife. Well, you can talk about your husband and come yeah. up with all kinds of great things that is not part of Proverbs 31. But yeah. it's a blessing that I say over myself, my wife, my kids. And it ends with, before the, um, right after the 153 fish, and God will give me exceedingly abundantly and measurably more than I could ever ask think or imagine, which is Ephesians 3.20, which I say it's my second favorite verse, but it's, how could it not be my favorite? I, I sign books with it. It's amazing. So, so uh, anyway, um, that revelation of as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, and out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks, it's really important. That's right. And that's why you and I, I think, connected so much, because before we met, I wrote The Maker's Diet, and I have a chapter that says, as a man thinketh. But what I didn't have was the practical application to help people transform their emotional, mental, and spiritual health the way that a capsule or a medicine or a therapy would. And right. that, that's a revelation. But to me, I'm not perfect at this. I get frustrated with myself, but we try not to use words that essentially curse us because the Bible says I, I, out of... The same mouth comes blessing yeah. and cursing. It should not be That's so. Right. This morning, I spanked my nine-year-old daughter, which I explained to her that I hate more than she does, but she deliberately disobeyed me, and we do believe in spankings. Mm -hmm. And then I said something to the effect of, this is, I'm, or I said, I'm sick and tired of blah, blah, blah. And then I said, no, I am not sick, and I'm not tired. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, we say the, yeah. it is so culturally acceptable to say, negative things or curse yourself. But when you say things a blessing, you're some weirdo. That's so right. I really, and my wife really, and sometimes my kids try to guard what comes out of our mouth. Yeah. Fantastic. Let, let's go to the Ephesians for a minute, if that's okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages too. And I'm going to start at the end rather than the beginning uh, this is Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. And every, every believer I've ever known, Jordan, wants that. And if I ask them, do you want this? Well, yeah, I want it. And then I'll ask them, is that what you're experiencing now? Okay, Jordan, I'll probably ask, I don't know, two, three hundred believers over 20 years that question. I've had one say that's what I'm experiencing. One. Okay, so now let's go back in the scripture a couple of verses and maybe uncover something that might be of help. It, it certainly was to me. So I'm going back here to verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge 
so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And, and I know in my life, Jordan, um, I was missing something. I wanted the beyond imagination. But there's a prerequisite here. And the prerequisite is to know the love of Christ in your heart that is beyond knowledge. And um, one of the amazing things about this passage is that the word know in this passage, that you, that you may know the love of Christ in your heart. The word know is the same word that Scripture uses for a husband and wife knowing each other on their wedding night. Wow. Okay? And, and when I realized that, I understood why I didn't have the life beyond imagination. I didn't feel that way about the Lord. I mean, I, dear Lord, please be with me today. You, you know, you reverence him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I didn't feel the love beyond knowledge. The love that is like a husband and wife on his wedding night. I mean, I can vaguely remember my wedding night, Jordan. And, and I can promise you what I felt was beyond imagination. At least my imagination at that time, okay? And yours was too, if you're honest about it. Why, why are so many believers not experiencing that? And, 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 and before you answer, the, the whole reason I wanted to do this with you is... Because at my age, and, and, and I've been a believer since I was 12 years old, but at my age, I still, if I think about grace, the grace of God, if I think about that, really, practically, Jordan, even today, it is so hard for me to wrap my head around that because what always gets me is I'll think, but wait a minute. Grace means I'm blameless, but I remember doing it five minutes ago. So how can that possibly be true? What's your two cents on that? With the you know the the growing up stuff, the Jewish Christian, the the illness, the cancer that we haven't addressed yet, and, and I'm sure you've had at least one other struggle besides that. What, as as a as a mature man of God, how do you see grace? It's interesting because a lot of us who have read books, read scripture, heard messages, we typically say that grace is unmerited favor. Right. But there's also a message that says grace is power of God, dunamis, right. dynamite. And so I kind of combine it and say, well, if, if grace is unmerited favor and power, then I would say that believers are only tapping into part of grace. So think about that. And I, this is just coming to me now, but if grace is unmerited favor... And I'll say unlimited power. Yeah. That's what Ephesians 3 says. That's right. right. But you're talking about grace, about, you know, for the remission or forgiveness of sin. So let's say that grace is three for parts. freedom from sin. Freedom from sin, unmerited favor, and unlimited power. I like this. This is great. It's all coming out right now. So I think that if grace is that trinity, believers at best 
on average are taking advantage of one, which is the forgiveness, or they are now blameless based on the blood of Jesus and his atonement, sacrifice and atonement. Many people don't even truly live in that because they still feel guilty about what they did or what happened or their kids, etc. But it usually ends there. Think of the, I'll say, little old lady at church who's wonderful and prays and believes she's forgiven. But was there a time in her life that she chose not to take advantage of the unmerited favor and unlimited power? Because if we have unlimited power and unmerited favor, how do we not live Ephesians 3.20? I mean, you and I both have been blessed to do a lot of things. And I think that I, I will bet without asking you that you've traveled to places, um, had opportunities and platforms that you could have never asked for or imagined, right? Yeah. And likewise for me. But I also would bet that the most fulfilling part of that is what it has meant to others. Yeah. And I can say this for certain because I lost a friend. It was an acquaintance who came to me with recurrent severe cancer and I worked with him and then um, he had went to do, gone to do a bunch of other things, 28 years old, died last week. And it, I don't want to say I was devastated because that's again a word that I don't want to use, but the news was hard to take. Yeah. And I, I don't understand it. And I'm going to add it to the list of questions I have for the Lord because I can rationalize, well, he did all these horrible invasive treatments and he went through all the chemo and all the radiation and his immune system was this, that, or the other, but it's still hard for me, right? And I've lost people, a great um, man of God uh, who is a good friend of mine, lost his wife to cancer recently, Benny Johnson, mm. Bill Johnson's wife. I don't understand it. I, yeah. I want God to heal no matter what somebody's choices are of health care. But I just feel like we as believers settle. And you and I, neither of us were given great advantages as children. We didn't come from money or reputation. There's no reason you and I should be on a podcast or a video that anyone's listening yeah, to. Yeah, right. But yeah. yet the people on the other side think that's easy for you to say because you're Dr. Alex Lloyd or Jordan Rubin. But th that's the biggest message I like to share is that we are no different. The only yeah. difference I am from some of you is that I may have gone through outwardly facing trials that some don't. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's yeah. really the difference. I, yeah. And yeah, I'm, but I'm blessed but, with some intelligence and good genetics from, from that perspective. Like my parents are smart. and But there's people but, who've had bigger trials than you. Yeah, too. absolutely. And so I think the real question is, if one person has, has answered the Ephesians 3.20 question affirmatively, which I'll be the second if I'm not the first, and you're one, then the real question is, or a real question, how do we get those listening to experience that? And the answer is not, well, I'm going to have a lot of money in a big house. And listen, Alex, you and I have been blessed with material possessions, but I know you pretty well and you know me. That's That has nothing to do with Ephesians 3.20. Yeah. I mean, Maybe a tiny bit. I love giving my children great opportunities and they can go to good schools and things of that nature. And, and we don't have to worry, can we afford this or that? And I've been to some great places, but my Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly and measurably more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine is not measured in houses or trips right. or in initials after my name or books that have my sort of uh, name as an author 
or companies or employees or money, certainly. It's really the fact that I have been delivered from impossible circumstances over and over again. And believe it or not, as much as God's done that for me, I still struggle at times believing for the next one, like everybody else. So that yeah. even further uh, you know, shares with you that we're no different. Uh, when I go through a trial, it usually comes out a product, a company, or a book. And I ask the Lord multiple times, and I will today, I'd rather have books and companies other ways. Yeah. You know, that's that's really the preferred, <laughs> yeah. you know, learn from somebody else. If it's all the same do, you. do research, you know. But um, I think that if you and I could help others experience Ephesians 3.20, I don't know what more we could do on this planet in yeah. a million years. And that's why I'm glad if you're sending what I call this daily declaration beyond organic prayer, if you read it and believe it and that happens, you're, that's Ephesians 3.20 because everything in there is a promised miracle of God right. to a human being in the Bible, if not the children of Israel, and none of it is this far-fetched stuff. You either, If you believe the Bible and you pray that, because it's all right out of Scripture, and you experience it, maybe you're going to teach your spirit how to believe that's right. by speaking it. That's right. And so, things you and I don't even fully understand how to explain, but we know through vibrations and frequency and all of that that... Jesus the was the word in the beginning was the word. So yeah. if in the beginning was the word and the way that John starts out it's saying that the world was created by the word. And I know this steps into things that you've dealt with your whole career is it new age is it but we are co-stewards if not co-creators. And the reason I say that is well you're not a co-creator well how can I be a co-destroyer and not be a co-creator? Can we not destroy the world? We've yeah. proven that, right? right. So if we can't, and I, I love regenerative agriculture for this reason, I can ruin a farm and destroy yeah. that part of the world, but I can also steward its regeneration. So how am I not, I'm a joint heir, and how am I not a co-creator of this environment with God? I know yeah. we're getting into a lot of things. That... Yeah, well, the, uh, of what you said, one, I love your, your three, your freedom from sin, power, and favor. And, and, and I agree with you. Every believer I know of, yeah, we can be forgiven of sin. And yeah, of course, I believe that. I mean, who doesn't? Who, who's the follower of Jesus, believes in the Bible, whatever. But you're also supposed to have power, and not just a little power, unlimited, as you said, God's power, and the favor of the omnipotent being of the universe. And, and so, if you've got all three of those, if you've got the favor of the guy, uh, of, sorry, Father, uh, of, the, of the Father who has all power, all knowledge, omniscient, everywhere, created everything, is in control, and I'm his child? You're his child? You're his son? Adopted son through Jesus? You have the favor of a son and the unlimited power of God and then the forgiveness of, of your sins. Um, and that's foundational, I, I, I think. You. If you look at the, the trend that, what we call that trinity of, of forgiveness, favor, and power, you really, the forgiveness has to happen, I believe, for the favor and the power to come. That's you right. You have to believe, because if, if you don't believe that you're 
baseline neutral forgiven, then I don't think you'll have any inkling to appreciate the favor and the power. And, and listen, we, you and I may ask hundreds of, quote, normal people if they experience Ephesians 3.20, but part of the challenge is who we're asking, right? So right, we're, we're in Nashville right. right here. And so I, I don't know who you were referring to that discipled you, but let's just say that you and I commonly know or know of people in this area that are absolutely experiencing Ephesians 3.20. Yeah, you right. asked Michael W. Smith if he right. thought growing up in West Virginia that he was going to really be a worldwide leader in the movement of Christ. Right. You asked Don Finto right. with what he has gone through, if he would be a father to pastors and a pastor to leaders. But there, We can name a lot of those people. Right. But I think the key is you do not have to be somebody who's famous to experience Ephesians 3.20. I think it's harder if you are. Maybe. I really do. I or at really least do. To, to, I think it's harder to continually appreciate it because at some point you believe the PR. But That's the, right. to me, experiencing a great marriage and having wonderful kids that, again, you're ceiling is their floor that's amazing right and there there's so many things that we can experience that are not related to being rich or famous and i think some people believe that's ephesians 3:20 and and listen you and i are, have been blessed with i'll call it worldly possessions but i don't believe we hold on to those and when we think about what is God, what are the greatest blessings God's given you? I'm not sure that we would put no. our possessions real high on that list. No. Now we're thankful for them, yeah. But it's that's not what makes us believe Ephesians 3:20 has happened in our lives. And again, right. I, I know people. It's easy for you to say, and you you have a following, and you have this, that, or the other. But at the end of the day, we put our head on the same kind of pillow everybody else does, yeah. and we have the same challenges the same and I say this all the time because uh, the other thing many people don't know is I sold Garden of Life a long time ago when the financial markets were different Garden of Life's value increased 20 times since I sold it and it sold in 2018 in Nestle if I followed that trail I could have been a billionaire yeah but I don't sit here and say woe is me I'm not a billionaire what I think about honestly is that if I had a billion dollars I know so many things I could do to be a blessing but that billion dollars doesn't solve any of the greatest challenges I have yeah and, and here's right. a great one um, it's it's sprinkling outside which is a blessing because in farming we rain is a gift of God and we've had droughts and extreme heat in various places where my farms are but you can't pay to get rain yeah, that's a simple blessing yeah. of God. It's part of my prayer, by the way. Um, but we can't we can't pay for our children to have a close relationship with the Lord. We can't pray for them to be healed. We can't right. pray for them to be shielded from the world to be have an identity in Christ. Right. To you can't pay for your relative to have to be healed of cancer, much less have a day with them. Yeah. So, how much would a billion dollars be towards Ephesians three twenty when all is said and done? Could I bless orphans? Yes. Could I? Help people in need, absolutely. Would that be amazing? Sure. But that still doesn't answer my greatest prayer request well, on a daily and I would, basis. And I would say, if you had that billion, at, would you trade it? Or if you could have it, if you could go get Garden of Life back and resell it for a whole lot more. But they said, okay, but you're going to have to give up one of those three. You're either going to have to give up favor, power, or forgiveness from God. 
You interested in that? No, no, because I'd be trading my past That's right. for an unlimited future. That's right. right. Because And we also believe that what has been taken from us or what we've lost will be restored. I mean, again, these are all promises of God, but he will restore what the locust or canker worm, whatever translation, has eaten. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know why I made the decision in retrospect to sell at that time. And I know why I moved on from the company. And I, as, as we talked about, I have a second chance with ancient nutrition. And it's frustrating because I really believe in the parable of the minas and the talents. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that is a huge North Star for me. I want to be the person who's been given two minas or five talents, and I want to double it. Yeah. I, I want to do that. And that's what Ephesians 3.20 is that's about. Right. So in some respects, when I don't operate in that, I feel like I've missed out, but I wouldn't trade any of the past right. today because when you have forgiveness of sins and freedom from the death that sin brings, when you have unmerited favor and limitless power from the Holy Spirit that is within you, there, there's nothing that God can't do through you. I mean, these are also parts of Scripture. Yeah. That's right. I can do all things. Yeah. Not few things. It's that's another right. great Stephen Curtis Chapman song that I used to sing. But, yeah. um, you know, that's that's the way that God is for us. And so, you know, I'd ra- that, like the old hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than dot, so dot, dot, old. dot, dot. Right? Okay. So um, we're going to give you two prayers that Jordan has written. And he's told you about one of them. The other one, he called me a few years ago and he had been diagnosed with cancer. Believe it or not, you say a few years ago, it's 14 years ago. Is that 14 years ago? Isn't that amazing? Praise God. And, uh, (laughs) wow. And, uh, and he was, he completely recovered from that, healed. Uh, one thing I ask you during, when you contacted me during that period was to write a prayer from your heart that was sort of on your heart all the time. As, as a pray without ceasing sort of thing. And you call that a prayer a of healing. healing prayer, yeah. And, and right. I, I quote, I said it out loud three times a day. And when anyone is dealing with cancer, it's the universal answer because there's arguments about what treatment's best, what diet's best. But to but me, it's not just answer. cancer. You, well, it's you, anything. Yeah, you, you can you put can arthritis insert, in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can insert your thing in yes. there. And to say that I wrote it's probably an overstatement. Both of these prayers I compiled yeah. because... They're straight out of scripture, or they're some great Bible teachers, Charles Caps and others, and maybe I yeah. edited it, and you can sort of modify it for your own purposes. But um, these, the the healing prayer, I prayed three times a day out loud during the forty day cancer healing program, and when I did, I always felt like the demons had their fingers in their ears, uh-huh. like it was a dog whistle for a dog. You know, okay. I, I just imagined the gates of hell being destroyed, or like an earthquake. Yeah, because those words are powerful. If you think about it, when the average person has cancer, they use the word cancer probably a thousand times more than healed. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's right. And even when they're, yeah. when they have cancer, you don't even a, have to say I'm it. I'm a cancer survivor. It. Yeah. I'm a cancer this. I'm, and, and I, look, I know what it's like to think that every headache or elbow pain is metastasis. Like it's, I'm going through this with people right now. It is yeah. a hard road, but the healing prayer is an amazing God given tool to transform your health. The method isn't the healing. The healer yeah. is the healing. And then the daily declaration, same thing. I mean, why would we go around talking about what we don't want? Why would we say our yeah. child's diabetic? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say my child's been diagnosed with 
diabetes, but or my child's autistic. Like yeah. you're just basically, or I'm a divorcee, or I'm a widow, or I, I mean, this, we do a whole series on well, identity I, and what we wear. Well, know? I think I know why. I mean, it's either Genesis 4 or 6, I think. I get those mixed up. But it says that the imagination of the heart of man is inclined toward evil from his youth. So that's why. Now, now I don't know exactly why that's the case except for this stuff, that, yeah. that, that this bodysuit that we're in. Um, so uh, those prayers, if you look down below the video, um, you should find them posted and um, those are, we just want to bless you with that. And here's what I would say about that, Jordan. Um, when you first sent me that prayer on an email, by the time I finished with it, finished reading it for the first time, I was crying. And, and it was like, it's like somebody threw open spiritual windows inside me Amen. through that prayer. And, 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 and here's why I'm bringing this up, is um, I, don't, I don't believe it's possible to read that prayer, and, and maybe I'll say read it every day, or refer to it every day, and I've not seen the new one. I'm, I'm looking so much forward to that, the Daily Declaration. I haven't even seen that one yet. But, but the healing prayer, I think it's impossible for you to, let's say, um, marinate in that over a, a period of time that it does not change you in your heart and mind. I believe it will change you in your heart and mind. And the reason is because of what you just said that was so brilliant, uh, as opposed to my stupid uh, question. You didn't write it. He wrote it right? It, he said, this is so. And that's where the power is, because it's from him. And, and he is always, that, that Hebrews 11, he is always going to be faithful. I, I am sometimes, but he's always faithful, not just to us, but to his promises in, in Scripture. So I would encourage you, read Galatians uh, Ephesians 3, uh, anew, read through these prayers, and that, that's absolutely brilliant. I don't know that I've ever heard that. The, the three things that Jordan said about grace is favor, power, and freedom from sin. And if you're not experiencing all three of those, and, and most, most believers aren't, some are, but if you're not experiencing all three, if you're missing one, it is available to them. It's available to you. It's there, like, like something sitting on a table, okay? It's free from the Father, okay? So, uh, Jordan, thank you so much. I love you. I love your family. Um, I have, ever since I met you, um, your story is one of the most fascinating ones I know. You have, you have maybe not poor, but not rich, and then you have riches, you have health, you have illness, you have death, you have life, you have struggle, you have victory. 
and like you're not good, even like very a, old. Like a, like a good movie. And right? you're not even yeah. very old yet. I mean, what have you and got for the next twenty like, years? Well, well, this is what what I, what I think you'll love about the daily declaration is I pray things like, at, I'm going to be healthier at 85 years old than at 45. Yeah. And you know what I did? I got in really good shape at age 45. Because if I'm going to be healthier at 85, yeah. I'll be in really good shape at 45. And then I say at 120 years, like Moses, my eyes will not be dim and yeah. my faith will not be gone. So yeah. I got a lot longer to live and go. But if someone might say, well, Jordan, my genetics, or you're just saying that. Well, wouldn't you rather just say that instead of, well, I'm getting old or, well, now every time I wake up, something hurts. We joke about that. But... This is just important. What what you just the maker's diet is amazing, and I it's blessed so many people. Me first, but what I sent to Alex and what he is offering to you that's food for eternity. It's food, it's food for, for the soul, spirit, and soul food for the spirit, and because, heart. Yeah. Because what is what does the Bible say? Man does not live by bread, or in the bread there isn't bread like we put butter on. It's food. Man doesn't live by food but by every word that right. comes from the mouth of God. So feast on this. This is from Scripture. That's right. And some people might say, well, I'm from a conservative denomination. I don't really say things like I'm the head and not the tail and I'm more than a conqueror. Well, start saying it because yeah. it's in the book. And I love my Southern Baptist pseudo upbringing, but we used to pray for people, Lord, if it's your will to heal. When I was yeah. diagnosed with cancer, there's no more of that. That's right. It's I am healed by the blood of Jesus, by his stripes I was, I am healed. Now right. I'm getting fired up, so. Might have to do a to-be-continued part two. All right. My pleasure to be here, and you're an amazing person. I think everybody who's watching and listening is not surprised at all how sensitive you are to the power of a prayer or, or just people's needs. Um, you're a genuine human being, and I love you, and we have great memories, and some of them we think are a few years old, but they're 14, so how do you like that? But uh, thanks for having me, and the trinity of grace is brand new like this yeah we need to write a book amazing grace Let's do and that. talk about Let's i mean how it. awesome is yeah. that yeah it if is. people will just catch hold of that their lives will never be the same that's right and and, and I, i'm gonna end with this i i think one of i think one of the best jobs that satan has done is simply to cause us to think about things that are in here and just and look at the natural world and think, ah, no, nah, that can't happen. That's that that's that's that miraculous stuff and all that. That that really doesn't happen. Um, it does happen. It absolutely happens. It happens every single day. And and Almost all of the promises of God, you said it earlier, this is something I said like two episodes ago, almost every promise of God in Scripture is a miracle. And, and so, if you're not okay with miracles, you can't be okay with God, because that's how He works in us today. So, um, Jordan, thank you so much. I love you. And you um, check out Ancient Nutrition. And you've got to get the Maker's Diet. And we're going to give you the prayers for free. Just click on those. And please don't let those just sit there. Forward them to everybody you know. Uh, these are the things that we need to be excited about. There's a scripture, Jordan, that says, Never lose your zeal and spiritual fervor.
Think about that. Have you lost your zeal and spiritual fervor? Well, if you really believe and understand God, His promises, and, and what He has for you, I believe that fervor and zeal will come, up, will come back or for the first time. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. I love you. So glad to be here. Okay. God bless.